Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Church family, you may have a seat. I'm glad that you are here today. To those of you joining us on live stream, maybe traveling for the holiday weekend, we are glad that you are joining us as well. For those of you, if it's your first time here, my name is Rob. I'm the lead pastor here at Sam Alliance, and you're welcome. Glad you're here. Hey, on the road, there's a rose here on the platform. Roses at Salem Alliance signify new life in Christ. And this week, Juniper nailed a ribbon on the cross, starting a relationship with Jesus. Would you celebrate that? Before we jump into our sermon today, just a couple of things I want to make you aware of. One, I just want to say thank you for your continued giving, your tithes and offerings, bringing your first fruits into this place. That allows us to continue in our vision to see Salem become a city at peace with God. It also allows our staff to operate in the ways that we like to operate. Just this week, as I often walk around the halls here at Salem Alliance and just talk and catch up with different pastors, I was disappointed because so many of the doors were closed because they were so busy and just seeing people, I know he's meeting with the family, preparing a memorial service and she's doing some marriage counseling and just walking through and just seeing just the energy that is in this place. It's just a blessing. But to those of you that are newer to this place, if you're interested in starting to give, I just want to encourage you to do that. And there's multiple ways that you can give. You can give online, you can give through the app, you can give in the boxes in the lobby. We don't take an offering here and there's no pressure to give. But if that's something that God is just putting on your heart. We would appreciate it, and thank you for your just ability to, to do that and keep things moving around here. Also, want to let you know, uh, we offer simultaneous translation here at the 930 service into multiple different languages, and so if you are here today and you're looking to hear the sermon in Swahili or French, we can do that as well as American Sign Language, and so we just have these opportunities. If you need help with that, you can go to the Welcome Center. They'd love to hook you up, but that just happens on your phone. For those of you who English is your first language, that's why sometimes you'll see people with headphones in. They're they're listening. Don't worry. They're not like catching up on the scores of a game or anything like that, but people are paying attention. And so we just welcome our crew, Jambo, Karibo. Uh, We're glad that you are here worshiping with us today. We are in week three of our sermon series titled Trust. We're looking into the book of Job and James, and we're searching for just kind of the wisdom and the humility and the worship that can be found through suffering. It's not the easiest sermon series to talk about because we're looking at those times in life where the happily ever after doesn't seem to be on the horizon. And we're looking today especially for the wisdom that might be found in those seasons. We're talking about pain and suffering. Speaking of pain and suffering, tax season is kind of upon us. I don't know what that's like for you. I'm blessed to have a brother who's a CPA, and so for me, tax season looks like me compiling a bunch of documents, scanning them, and sending him off his way. I don't even have to do my own taxes, and it's still pain and suffering because I've just opted out of receiving everything by mail, and so I just have to go online to all these different accounts and get all these different documents. And like many of you, I've tried different password managers, and they don't work for me for whatever reason, and the two-factor authentication sometimes doesn't come through, and so oftentimes, with at least two of the accounts, every year I find myself on the phone talking to the company, trying to figure out how to get in to get the documents. 
And my hope is that the wisdom of the person on the other end of the line will quickly resolve this. This is just a temporary setback. I will get through this and we will move on. And yet, as you know, that's not always the case. And so when I call and the the music starts, and that music that is just, it it is literally composed to irritate you. It's just, that's what it is. And and it just starts to eat at you and it starts to bother you. And then finally you get a hold of someone and they begin to ask you security questions. And you're kind of like, how do they even know the answer to these security questions? And and they always ask me and we'll we'll get you in. What's your father's middle name? And and I quickly, I answer Charles and they go, um, maybe another, another middle name and like, no, no, like I'm pretty sure his middle name, I know his middle name, like I'm pretty sure I got this, I think I'm right and you might be wrong on this one, I'm pretty sure that's the case. But the frustration starts to mount and these moments used to kind of unravel me a little bit. I'm starting to see them as sanctifying moments where I get to learn a little bit more about myself. I'm getting to discover some wisdom in these moments. I'm getting to learn some lessons that will hopefully make me a better person with a little more patience and kindness when actually serious situations and difficult struggles will one day present themselves down the road. And this is a sad, first world, admittedly shallow example of a point that I hope we see today in Scripture. That rich wisdom is often most discoverable in times of pain and suffering. That wisdom, oftentimes, you'll find it in those seasons, those seasons where you're walking through the fire. Today, our primary text is going to be Job chapter 28. We'll be looking at some passages in James as well. And you can turn to Job 28 if you'd like. I'll put the passages that we'll be referencing up on the screen as well and reading from the New Living Translation. But here in Job 28, it's almost this interlude in these dialogues with Job and his friends. His friends aren't actually doing a great job being friends. They're questioning a lot, and they're just wondering what he has done wrong. But here in Job 28, we see kind of the brilliance of humanity. In fact, it starts off with, uh, with Job explaining how humanity has discovered so many things on earth. In fact, in many ways, we've conquered some of our landscape. It, it starts off saying people know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. And so we have this weird thing because it's celebrating the brilliance of humanity and their ability to discover the beauty of our world, even their ability to look into the underground, into the dark areas, and to go to the difficult mines to find the gems. But then it just kind of pivots. It pivots because though there's that mastery over the human world, the physical world, when it comes to discovering wisdom that is from God, the question is posed multiple times. But do people know where to find wisdom? They can go stories underground to find a diamond, but do they know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? And we'll pick it up in Job 28, verse 23. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and he sees everything under the heavens. 
He decided how hard the winds should blow and how much rain should fall on the state of Oregon. And he said a lot and then some more and maybe a little bit more. He made the laws for the rain and he laid out a path for the lightning. Then he saw wisdom and he evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. This is the word of the Lord. Here in this passage and in other places in scripture, we are reminded that his wisdom is mysterious. It's vast. It's proven. It's unquestionable. Job makes this clear in other dialogues with his friends. In fact, chapter 12 is one of my favorite dialogues. He's responding especially to his friend Zophar, who has questioned whether or not he recognizes that God is God and knows more than him. And we catch this little glimpse of Job's personality. We catch a little bit of his snarkiness and his sarcasm as he responds to his friend Zophar as well as his other friends. And he says this in Job 12 too. He says, you people really know everything, don't you? And when you die, wisdom will die with you. Such a jab, but then he turns into some incredible prose And it's this epic speech of how God's great wisdom and strength is over all things. He goes on to declare God's power over people, their minds, the nations, all rulers, the wise, and the eloquent. And again, we see that his wisdom is mysterious, vast, proven, unquestionable. And that's what we long for. For the controller of the weather to download his wisdom, to reveal wisdom to us in our times of pain and suffering. And the thing is that James sheds some more light on what God's wisdom is like. James 3 reminds us that wisdom from above is pure. It's pure. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy in the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's sincere. It's purer. It's sincere. And how good is it to be reminded of those truths when we are walking through pain, when the sleepless nights are piling up, When the communication with that loved one who we had the argument with is not restored, how good it is to be reminded of this when the test that we need to get to bring some conclusive evidence of what's wrong is delayed yet again by insurance. And James also reminds us that it's good for us to ask. He says, if you need wisdom in James 1, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's generous. He wants to make his wisdom, his mysterious wisdom, discoverable to you and to me. He longs for us to have it revealed. And that's the invitation for us to take a posture to receive the revelation of God's wisdom, but with an understanding that it is often most discoverable in seasons of pain in seasons of suffering. I think that oftentimes we leave some wisdom on the table because we leave it undiscovered because it doesn't look like we expect it to look. 
Oftentimes, we have our happy ending expectation glasses on. We have our Jesus as the ultimate fixer, understanding, and mindset. We have a bit of our American church triumphalism that causes us to sometimes miss what God is doing in the suffering. Yet in Job and James and throughout the scriptures, we realize that sometimes the diamond, the gold, the most valuable things are actually found in the dark and in the underground where the conditions aren't exactly great. The author, pastor, and theologian Sung Chan Ra says this, the triumph and success orientation of our our typical church member needs the corrective brought by stories of struggle and suffering. That there's a valuable lesson to be learned in hearing stories of struggle and suffering. And I think he's right. I mean, we live in a culture where blessed is one of the most popular hashtags there are. I mean, on Instagram, you see it all over the place. And it's, it's there because we have these expectations. We live in a conquer culture where our problems are just a, a roadblock. They need to be conquered. They will be conquered. And with that comes a sense of entitlement. Just the last two to three weeks as I've gone back and done more study on just suffering and been reminded of so many things, I realize that I myself am so guilty of this. The Western lens that I look at things has caused me to almost always view suffering as a problem to be fixed so that a story can be told and then God can be glorified. And for me, it's this equation. Suffering is there so that a problem can be fixed, so that a story can be told, and then God can be glorified. And I've had to repent of that because sometimes he's most glorified actually in the suffering when the problem is not ever fixed. I'm in need of a correction, and I assume there's others in this room as well. Don't get me wrong, I, we celebrate the victories. We celebrate the miraculous healings that take place in this room often. We celebrate it when depression dissipates. We celebrate it when a family that looks like it will never be unified again is restored in Jesus' name. We celebrate those things, but we balance it with the knowledge that that isn't always the story that is unfolding. Sometimes God's wisdom and his plan looks different than we want it to look like. This is the mystery. This is the tension that you and I live in every day. We stand as triumphal Christ followers. The victory has been won. I've read the whole book. It's pretty clear. And yet there's days when we feel pretty hopeless, even though our blessed hope is in the truth that one day Christ will return And all pain and suffering will end. Every tear will be wiped away. All justice will be fully realized. But we live in the already one, but not yet the full reality. And so I think there are times where we need a corrective, where we need to sit in the brokenness and the struggles of our world and know that in it are hidden gems of wisdom. I hope today that we see through James that his wisdom, God's wisdom, is not always a roadmap out of the suffering. It's not. Sometimes it's a roadmap that keeps us swirling in it. At times it is a roadmap out, and we celebrate those times, but oftentimes the happy ending is not on the horizon. I've humbly discovered this by being in different communities here at Salem Alliance Church, and I celebrate that we have so many different communities. 
It's by hearing the stories of our refugee community and the struggle that it was for them to get here and hearing how they found joy and wisdom in that journey. It's sitting with our growing disabled community that call us home, that are able to articulate how God has met them in their struggles, in their limitations. And lately, more than probably anything, I've been shaped as I have sat with parents of kids with special needs, as I am confronted by their reality and how they have tapped into a godly wisdom that is so beautiful, and they have honestly changed how I look at things. I was able to volunteer once again at Night to Shine, and every year, one of the things I love about that, it's not that I get to feel good about serving, it's about what I get to receive as I interact with our participants, when I interact with the parents and the caretakers in there. And this week, this last week, I got to spend some time in the parent respite room, hearing the stories, seeing the joy, but also the fatigue, and seeing the wisdom that was being lived out. Like members in our church that are struggling with chronic illness, like families that have spent the years in the refugee camps, our families of kids with special needs have much to teach us on this topic. I found myself sitting with different parents in different settings this past week. One of them was my own sister-in-law who was on the phone. Her name is Sarah and she lives in Connecticut. And let me introduce you to her son, my nephew, Charlie. Charlie's pretty awesome. He's getting big. It's been too long since we've gotten to hang out. I grieve the fact that he lives on the East Coast and I don't get to see him as much. He's almost eight. He's nonverbal. His mom longs for the day and hopes that one day he might be able to actually say mom. It's a workout to get him into the car, especially as he gets larger and heavier because he's not always cooperative with that. He's not able to use a bathroom like a normal child of his age. And life is not easy for Sarah and the family. Sarah, Jess, her twin, my wife, and I were on the phone this weekend. And Sarah began to share some of the realization that Charlie probably never will be verbal. That Charlie probably will always be in diapers. And that Charlie probably will never leave the house. As another mom said to me this week, I've come to realize that our empty nest stage was the beginning of our marriage. That's our reality. Another comment that was made that stuck with me, I've come to realize that the hurdles aren't just in the road, the hurdles are the road. And it's parents like these that have been to the mines, they've discovered the wisdom and they've put it on and they have a lot to teach us. Because they've realized that wisdom isn't a thing that just gets to be possessed, but wisdom is actually an active mode of operating and being and living and persevering dependent on God's revelation of his wisdom daily. You see, Job is getting at this when he says the fear of the Lord is true wisdom. And I don't have time to really just unpack a healthy fear of the Lord in this sermon. But as one commentator was discussing this verse, he says, here Job is getting at right relationship with God. He's talking about a surrender, a posture, an understanding that only knows that only the wisdom that will get you through comes from revelation from God. He says, the gaining of wisdom requires the total sacrifice of our single most precious possession, ourselves. It's the surrender of our will. 
And the interesting thing is that when I talked to my sister-in-law on Friday, that's exactly what she said. She said the biggest gift that Charlie has brought to her is an understanding of what true dependence and surrender to God looks like because she can tell you the moment that she hit the breaking point where she had nothing left to give and had to surrender. And it's the place where active wisdom came in, set in, where she got to put it on, where the question moved from why God, which is an okay question to answer, but the question moved from why God to how will you use me and make this work, where the question moved from why God to where are you within this God? And you see, when we ask those types of questions, oftentimes he responds. His wisdom becomes incredibly unmissable. It is discoverable. It is right there. And for some of us, we need to alter our expectations of what his wisdom might look like in our lives because we're stuck in that victorious mindset. But oftentimes, his wisdom isn't the roadmap out so that you can have your testimony of victory. But his wisdom is a new depth and intimacy with Jesus so that you can experience his grace and sustenance and have a testimony of perseverance. Often, wisdom isn't the roadmap out so that you can have your testimony of victory, but wisdom is a new depth and intimacy so that you can be certain that you are God's child. Often, wisdom isn't the roadmap out so that you can have your testimony of victory, but wisdom is the acceptance of the limitations that you have so that you can grow in humility and dependence on his strength. Often, wisdom isn't the roadmap out so that you can have your testimony of victory, but wisdom is taking the L, taking the loss, so that you can stop projecting the image that you think the world wants to see and start authentically being what he knows the world needs to see. Often, wisdom isn't the roadmap out so that you can have your testimony of victory, but wisdom is a season in the desert so you learn how to be that active listener so that you have the depths of empathy and understanding for others. Sometimes wisdom looks different than we think it should, but it's there. And when we discover that, the next invitation is a trust. It's trust to remember what James says, that wisdom is pure and wisdom is sincere. But here's the thing. For so many of us, including myself, in those difficult seasons, when the cries of loneliness are there and the chronic pain won't go away and the marriage is struggling, the enemy often comes in and he says, see, there's no breakthrough. See the silence response of your God. See the lack of provision. And he pulls us away from that wisdom and he pulls us away from that trust. And suddenly our view of God quickly changes and we see him as an angry and disappointed father. Some of us are in that place and it's hard and it's real. But the invitation for us today is to step back and to reevaluate our expectations of what his wisdom that he is trying to reveal to us might look like, to be able to name our disappointments, to bring our complaints to him, and then to look around as we surrender to see if there's any revelation coming our way. And when it comes, we get to put wisdom on and come back to that place of trust to rest confidently in his goodness. There's a poem by the theologian Pete Craig that I believe drives this home pretty well that I want to share with you today. He writes, I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. 
I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I asked for, but all that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I am most blessed. Sometimes that wisdom looks different than we think, wants, and expects. And when we realize that, I believe godly wisdom suddenly becomes more discoverable. So how do we ask for God's wisdom? Let me close with three postures that I encourage you to take. The first is a posture of trust. A posture of trust, a reminder that he is God and we are not. We get to trust in his goodness, that his wisdom is pure, it's sincere. Trust looks like an understanding, a deep trust is whatever he chooses for me, I believe is better and it makes kingdom sense. The author K.J. Ramsey, who writes a lot on the topic of suffering, writes, when we prod each other to believe God is working all things together for our good, we can miss the larger grace we could extend in reforming our mind's potential to experience him as trustworthy and present. Sometimes it's reflecting on the past seasons of fire and darkness that reminds us of how God has met us. Can I encourage you this week to look back, to look at the scarring times and remember how he was present, how he walked you through. We might not always know what he's doing, but we can look back at what he has done. A posture of trust and a posture of humility Spoiler alert, Job 42, we will see Job's interaction with God. And he demonstrates a humility that is so beautiful. He says to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And I love Job's response. It's me. It is I. It is I who was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. Notice the beauty and the wonder of God's wisdom that Job is discovering, a posture of trust, a posture of humility, and finally, a posture of boldness. Because what I'm not saying today is you have to stop asking and sit in the pain and suffering. No. Scripture makes it clear that we get to continue to ask. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There you will receive his mercy. There you will find grace to help you when you need it most. We're free. We're encouraged to ask boldly for the revelation of his wisdom, for breakthrough, for a roadmap out of the suffering but also being reminded that if the suffering doesn't end, his wisdom can still come. And it's this asking boldly that's the third step in the movement of lament. 
For those of you that have been here the last two weeks, you know that we are carving out space in our worship setting to lament together. A lament is simply a prayer and pain that leads to trust. In week one, we talked about how the first step, the first movement of lament is to turn to God. Step two is to bring our complaints to him. Step three is to ask boldly. And finally, we choose to trust. It can be tempting to camp out in step two and to continue on in that complaining posture. But eventually, God calls us out and invites us to begin to ask him boldly. We're called to fix our eyes on him, to ask him to act in a manner that is fitting to his character. We're encouraged by the persistence of the widow to continue to act until God tells us not to. Job did this well. He continually, boldly asked God not to be silent, to vindicate him in his suffering. And we are invited to do the same, to recognize that we have a God that sympathizes with the fire that we walk through, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And so this morning, before we head back to worship, we're going to sit in silence for an awkward minute or two. And we're going to pick up our lament. Maybe it's the lament that you started two weeks ago that you're continuing on, or maybe the Holy Spirit wants to give you something new to lament today. But I'll put a prompt on the screen to help us know what asking boldly looks like. God, please, would you take away my, I can't take it anymore. I know that you have the power to heal, restore, and deliver. I know that you are a merciful God. In your kindness, would you bring transformation or at least give me the strength to endure? So Holy Spirit, we bring our laments to you today. God, we come before you today. We direct our attention to you. We bring our complaints and we ask boldly for your wisdom. We ask for perseverance. We ask for breakthrough. And whatever you respond with, we declare is a wisdom that is more beautiful, mysterious, and proven than we could ever comprehend. And so our response today is worship. 
So receive our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.